Welcome to the Matt and Joby Show. <laughs> Thanks and good night. <laughs> hey, my name is Mike Rosso. This is the Film Photography Podcast. And this show, uh, it's myself. Um, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hello there. But it's going to be toggling between Matt Mirage hey. and Joseph Brunges, a.k.a. Joby. Yo. Because there's so many cool cameras there. And you know what, Matt? I mean, you know a lot more about this stuff than I do. Oh. You know, you got the tubes. Yes. you got some awesome cameras there. So why don't you kind of, you know, ask Joby, you know, hey, let's talk about this. Hey, let's talk about that. Great. I mean, even that Canon, I know, Matt, you know that that is like the most awesome EOS camera on the planet. No, they're great. Yeah. Well, I had to bring that in because a few shows ago you were lamenting that we had the, you had the Nikon Mafia against you and you needed to have some backup. So right. I had ah. to bring that for sure. Hey, Joby, in what episode did uh, you give oh, me an uh, 85mm f1.2 lens to have? Hopefully not today. <laughs> <laughs> Take it away, Matt. That was a good try. That was a really good try. Uh, so no, uh, we have well all sorts of any, any number of things that we can uh, we can cover topic wise, but probably the most impressive. Uh, Joby had so many cool uh, pieces of glass that he brought along with him uh, for his wet plate kit, and I guess I guess we'll start from the very kind of like the the top on there when you're shooting uh, kind of a weirder older older process that has a slower either a slower film or a handmade emulsion, a lot of times the speed on it is kind of what, what gets you at the, uh, in the end. And you don't want to use um, a lot of modern glass, uh, if not because of the UV coatings, uh, because they're just slower for what would be uh, preferable in, in working with portraiture. Um, so uh, there are workarounds, uh, including adding a whole ton of light. But if you already have all this other stuff mobile, like uh, what Joby has, you need a fast piece of glass. Also, it gives a really, really neat look. So um, Joby brought a few uh, really, really nice examples of those type of lenses. There's a few different types of them, and I'll, I'll let him take it away on that. All right. Uh, well, the first one on the table closest to me is a, a brass lens, brass pestle lens, it looks old, but it's actually only a year old. Um, it was manufactured last year by Eckert Opti Optics. They didn't do a Kickstarter. They just kind of did a... They had like a Facebook like post. Like a Facebook yeah. post about it. And there's a group on Facebook called Collodium Bastards where there, the, the guy who runs that site was very adamant about um, promoting this project. And basically what someone did was they, they took a Dahlmeyer 3B, which is a very famous pestful uh, portrait lens, and they tried to reproduce it as accurately as possible using modern materials. And at first, it seemed to be getting. They made, I think, five or six prototypes, and they went around to numerous people and tried them out. Based on the images that were being produced from those prototypes, a lot of interest got interested in Generate doing a buzz. run. Yeah. yeah, Eckert decided that they needed a run of fifty to make the to make it worth their while to 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 make them. And they ended up, I think, in the end, uh, making sixty-five of these. So in the world, there are only 65 of these lens, lenses, and this is number 16. At first, I thought that was a French press for coffee. <laughs> Close. No, it's a, it's a copy of a French lens. So the, the Dahlmeyer yeah. lenses, when you, if you or anybody is at a car boot sale and you see a big old brass lens like this that has a, a lovely patina and you see a very, very large, uh, exaggerated cursive D on it, pay, you know, just scoop it up. The, the prices on them only go up uh, as more people get into kind of the crazy stuff. Collodion's probably the, the easiest gateway into big brass lenses uh, like this. 
but this is an amazing lens. Back when collodion really wasn't done by, by more than uh, you know several hundred people in the U.S., now it's thousands easily, those lenses were still close to uh, the, the high hundreds. Now those are in the thousands well, of dollars range. Yeah. It's, it's getting kind of crazy. And that squeezes out a lot of people. So this is a crazy thing that some, uh, somebody got did all the work mm-hmm. to research this, uh, design it, contact a manufacturer, both for the optics and for the, oh, uh, yeah. the brass. It's awesome. It was, it was a no-brainer for me. And it was also kind of exciting to have a lens that you know, very few people in the world would even have. Um, it was a fraction of the price of what an actual Dahlmeyer 3B would be. Is it the same look as a Dahlmeyer 3B? You know, that's up for you to decide. But it has its own look, and that's, you know, that's what I'm going for. I like the way it looks. Primarily, the Dahlmeyer 3B was a 5x7 lens, but it will work on 8x10. So mm-hmm. I've shot it on all three. With the 8x10, you get a little more aberrations and a little bit of swirl, which some people really like. It has uh, waterhouse stops from, three point, I think, 3.3 all the way up to f22 or something obviously with wet plate you're never going to use with f22 unless you're really doing still life or something but most of the time it's wide open or up to five by six five point sixes for those readers or listeners and not readers who know, might not understand what a waterhouse stop is maybe you can tell them oh sure um lenses didn't have uh, aperture um, blades. blades in the old days so what they would do is they would the lens itself would have a, an opening in the top that you slid a metal plate down into, and each plate was a uh, hole was cut to restrict the amount of light coming into the lens. I think of the no of the lenses you brought, this is probably the most um, pictorial focused lens. Yes. Uh, it's of, a little of softer three. than everything. Yeah. Else. Everything else I have is is modern, just out of expense. The other lens, uh, one of the other, you want to do your lens? Oh well, yeah, let's do yours. Well, just just to uh, because the lenses here are so nice, I'm going to bring out the the crappiest version uh, of any of these. This is a uh, an estate sale find. Uh, before the the walking workshop started, uh, we had dinner. My my mom just randomly showed up because mm-hmm. uh, you know it's Finley. You can't run away from anybody. She had just come back uh, from an estate sale. Where she she received a, a, a free shoebox full of uh, you know those wooden shoe stretchers those kind of things oh, like yeah. she uh, she you know she needs more crap in her house like anything but in that box as well uh, was Jeez. this thing uh, this is an Ilex portrait lens this is actually a, a little bit uh, a little bit older than your brand new lens this is from the the mid twenties uh, this is a little more modern in that it's. Uh, it's an 8x10 focal length uh, lens. It was mounted in shutters. They were sold in three different f-stops. This is the cheapest one. This only cost, uh, let's see, what was it? It was only thirteen ninety nine uh, way back when. That's still a lot of money if you compare that. What year, uh, what year Matt? Uh, this was, I think this would have been 24, 1924. Okay. Um, but the shutter would have added more to it. The great thing is this is one of the few shutters that actually still works. Uh, I think Leslie mentioned before it's a, it's a ball bearing type shutter. So shutter speeds are actually pretty decent on it. Uh, it has one one hundredth of a second down to one second bulb and T, which is, uh, it's pretty cool. There's uh, you know, a good healthy colony of fungus growing on this one, so uh, I'm going to keep it away from Joby's <laughs> nice lenses, too. I'm sure he'll appreciate that. Um, right. But it's, it's, it's pretty neat, and I uh, can't hate on a free lens. So um, big, big softies. If they have the black barrel, they typically don't get as much love. A lot of black barrel lenses like Bosch & Lom, mm-hmm. there's, there's those. Um, a lot of the Rochester optics uh, don't give as much love. But, you know, you scrape off the... Uh, uh, the black paint and suddenly becomes more desirable to a lot of people shooting wet plate. Right. Hey, Matt. Hey. I have the uh, inflation calculator here. Oh, excellent. So this that's four, 14, 14 bucks. $14 yeah. in 1924 equals $200 in 2018. All right. So that's still a cheap, still a cheap lens. Still wow. cheap lens. Yeah. 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 So uh, I forgot to mention, since you have a shutter on that, that the lens I was talking about a minute ago, the shutter is a lens cap, you know, for, for wet plate, since most exposures take a second or longer, they would just either put their hat or put something over the lens cap over the lens and then just open it for your exposure and then close it again so not only get a freaking tripod you get a freaking stable tripod so you can take mm-hmm. the, take the lens cap on and off without <laughs> shaking the whole thing i mean yeah and it clamps them down it's worth noting that um the other thing that uh, Joby has this lens mounted to, uh, I've referred, there's been a lot of listener questions in the past that I've referred to uh, these folks, and I swear I'm not paid by them. They're just like the only guys you can email or call, and they, they reliably get the job done. They're not cheap, but their work is not cheap either. Um, 
he has an SK Grimes custom mounted um, flange that's on that's kind of shaved down onto a CNR board, which is the standard for all the really good solid um, field cameras that are out mm-hmm. there. And uh, they do awesome work. Again, they're they're not cheap and they're not the fastest, but they are are awesome. Really, really quick. Like they're upfront, responsive, and they just do really, really good quality work. The other lens I've got here for that I shoot wet plate on is in it. An alternative to buying those old brass pestle lenses, you know, weapon photographers are looking for other lenses that are fast but were used for other things. So what I've got here is actually a Bauschenlam you mentioned a minute ago. This is an aerial lens from World War II. It's probably the heaviest thing I've got. I'll tell you a story later why I'm not so comfortable being this close to a microphone. But it has an aperture that's has aperture blades, so it's really convenient if I'm outside and the, the sun is so bright that I can actually stop down. So it's, it's, this was used um, for aerial reconnaissance in World War II, so it's super sharp. It's a big chunk of glass, so you want to have a, a camera that can handle something that heavy on the front of your camera, so some field cameras can't handle that. What kind of uh, what kind of plane would that be mounted? Would that be an air like uh, what what size film would they be shooting that with for an aerial recon? Well, it covers eight by ten, so I, so I like those of the nine inch film or yeah, whatever probably. it was. Yeah, is that the famed Aero Ektar? No, you it's Belgian. Oh, okay. Sorry. So yeah, so the 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 Dahlmeyer reproductions of almost three hundred millimeters. This is three hundred and five millimeters. So oh, they're okay. very similar in focal length. Um, but as you felt that the when you pick it up, it's, it's heavy. It's got beef. It's got a lot of lens elements in it. Yes. So when you talk about aerial photography, so is this is there like a bubble in the bottom of the plane? There's like a little guy in there with like a <laughs> camera. Like how, how would that lens be, would that lens be sticking out of the bottom of the plane? Sometimes they're leaning out. Yeah. Yeah. If you go on the the bay, the most famous lenses that are really really sought after and really expensive, uh, Joe Beat already mentioned that they're called the Kodak Aero Ektar lenses. Uh, you can purchase those one of three different ways. One that's already been pre-modified and pretty much ready to use. Those are the most expensive because all the work's done. All the stuff is stripped away. You can buy just the lens uh, groups in like a, just the, the core flange, which is really, really heavy and hard to mount yourself on this year, a machinist. And then there's the crazy way uh, where you buy the entire assembly that was just hauled off of a plane and those look like uh Le- leslie the last episode had that uh the pin blod yes with the uh with the cones and it's essentially a rod iron cone that f- gets you that fixed distance because it couldn't it was basically focused to infinity when it's up in the air on the plane and those whole assemblies can be anywhere from from 50 to, to over 400 pounds depending on wh- what lens and what uh, electronic or mechanical shutter assembly is in there I don't know if it's still there. There used to be an Aero Ektar lens on eBay that was highly radioactive, that giant one. The 42-inch with the thorium element? Yeah. yeah. And it said you That's could only be there. around it for like six days a year or something. Yeah. <laughs> and what's it wide, what does the radiation do for the lens that makes it so special? It's actually for contrast. Yeah. yeah. The last lens I brought, which is... Whoa! Yeah, this one's Bad a beast. Um, this is a Bessler Series 3 18-inch opaque projector lens. My father died in October and he was a photographer. He, t- he taught photography at a high school for 30 years and so and he was a bit of a hoarder and when he retired uh, the, the school told him that they were going to shut down his darkroom completely so when he left he decided he was going to take everything he wanted to, to keep because they were going to throw it away anyway. So I find little gems like this and some other things. This came out of an opaque projector, opaque, yeah, overhead opaque projector, and the good news is I actually have two of these. I actually have the projector <laughs> at home, so I have another one sitting, just sitting in a projector that I have to try to dig out. But the neat thing about this, well, this is kind of a double-edged sword. When I got it, I went, this is really exciting because it's super fast, and it will, but the bad news is that I'm going to have to get a bigger camera to put it on because mm-hmm. it's not going to sit on that lens board for 8x10. Mm-hmm. It will cover up to, 20, well, at least 20x20 20 20, because there's a photographer in Europe named Kurt Moser who shoots a lot of uh, giant portraits. I mean, face you know, close-up portraits with a 20 by 20 inch camera, and this is the lens he uses. Maybe next year I'll start leaning towards getting something bigger. It's kind of a double-edged sword though, because I don't have a my tent. You saw my darkroom tent. It's it'll cover. It's big enough to hold an 8 by 10 inch tank, but I don't know if it would hold an 11 by 14 inch tank. So I would have to not only get a camera, but I would have to invest in all these extra things just to be able to do wet play out in the field. What's the focal length of that lens? 
18 inches is, um, I can't remember what it is in millimeters. Oh, okay. 18 inches is 4, no, not 480, um, 560? That's about right. What's the 500 millimeter? Yeah. Yeah, Probably three point something. I'm not really quite sure. Well, if it's 18 inches, that looks like an F3.2. Yeah, it's, yeah, probably 3.2. Like I said, here. You Six inches across you would be F3. So. It looks like a piece of stovepipe. Yes, it, it, and it's literally in barrel. I mean, I'm going to have to send it to X. I've already talked to SK Grimes about mounting it on. They're going to have to. They got you your know, card on file. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to have to make a special flange wow. for it to be because it's. Yeah. Yeah. Does it make your eye big? Oh, yeah. Pull it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pull back. Pull a little bit there more. it is. Keep going. There it is. That's the shot. We found a way for Mike to have fun in this show. The peanut gallery is taking pictures of the <laughs> yeah, go this way, though. Yes. So you got two of them. You're going to make a TLR? <laughs> Viewing and taking. Yeah, that would Comes be with its own stepladder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> The, re- the, reason, the reason why I was shying away from the microphone is I, I'm a violinist, and I played a orchestra concert with Clint Black, who's a country music yeah. musician, and we all had microphones on our instruments, and for some reason the sound guy was not a very good sound guy because he had the, 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 the uh, microphones really live on, ours, um, on our instruments, and when, while we, when we finished playing, I went, <sighs> and across the speakers you heard, <laughs> <laughs> And I put my violin down really quickly, and the conductor was like, who did that? Who did that? And he looked at one of the other players whose instruments were still up, and he goes, we have to take care of this. And he, so they put, like, a windscreen on her violin. And I'm still sitting over there going, that was me. So I got very worried. And then, you know, we get, we're get we rehearsing again, and then I could do it again. I go, <sighs> And he goes, well, we who was that? Yeah, who was that? Who was that? that out, yeah. <laughs> who was that? And so, like, three or four people got busted because of me, and I never said anything. So in the concert... I'm just, I'm so, I'm like holding my breath half the time while we're playing. And then, of course, it was a long concert, and it got to the end, I forgot. And then, of course, the, over the whole sound system in the middle of the concert, <sighs> you know, it just. You're such course, an honest soul about it. I think I would try to go, like, push the limits. Like, what could I get away with to blame the other guy? Joby's the buckaroo bonsai of film photography. You're violinist, conductor, yeah. web plate. <laughs> Neurosurgeon. <laughs> it also helped pays the bills, strangely enough. Sweet. So. And then I played another. Con- I played a concert with who's the guy? Oh, I'm not going to remember now. Uh, that's happened to me twice. Scott now. Walker? No, no, no. Um. All this is, is caused by UFOs. We can go on. I'll, I'll remember as we're going on. But I, I played yet another concert where they put a microphone on my on me and, and I breathed through it and I went, oh, not again. No, don't worry about it. We've got to hear you. Oh, no. That's, that's good. So <laughs> it's almost like your mmm right, okay. story. Which episode do we introduce that? Very, well, you went mmm two or three episodes before you talked about that's right. why, why you were doing that. But mm. uh, it, was, it was pretty recent. It's this in 2018. So very briefly, you mentioned uh, lar- you know, larger coverage. When uh, one of the big, uh, big hang-ups as the, the sheets of film. Sheets. There it is. When the sheets of film get larger, you actually demand a, a larger and larger and larger image circle. And not, in, in that realm, not all large format lenses are created equal. Photography lenses are typically made or manufactured for you know how, how much of the light coming in can they render onto the photograph. And there's usually a lot of corrective pieces of glass, aspherical elements, all this stuff to try and correct that image and give you as good a quality for enlarging as possible. But when it comes to large format, it's not so much about enlarging. It's about creating that wider angle of coverage to give you that larger uh, image circle without having to resort to something like a very, very uh, high F number uh, pinhole. Mm. Uh, And that can create a very big, old, heavy lens. Joby brought those guys. I did want to uh, bring out a lens that isn't a reasonable sounding focal length, but every other part of it is completely unreasonable because it is a, uh, an ultra large format coverage lens. I picked this thing up. It, it's a uh, moseyed on into Midwest a couple years ago, and I didn't have an excuse to use it until uh, I recently picked up some large, 
ultra-large format. It's, yeah, it's got its, uh, it's got its own briefcase that always this bodes well. Monster. It's got this lovely blue, the Schneider. Ah, uh, so this this guy is my hyper-wide-angle lens. This is a Schneider uh, 210 Super Simar Whoa. XL. Um, wow. I can't afford filters for this. It's a big boy. Um, I don't even put it on the 8x10. It covers... It, so this works on the, the nice thing about large coverage is it works on all large formats. So um, this this would be great for four x five. You could do every movement known to man on four x five uh, with it because you have such a giant image circle. This can actually cover um, upwards of uh, almost sixteen by twenty, like twelve by twenty is about the biggest this thing covers. Well, uh, on eight by twenty, I don't even know what the equivalent is. Maybe a ten millimeter something like that. just something stupid wide. Obviously, versus another 210, if we imagine the se- like old 70 to 210s that go on like a right. Canon FD or something like that. They're, oh, there you go, Mark. Weighs more than that. Yeah, weighs, <laughs> weighs more than that. Um, it, but th- those are like, you know, little smaller lenses because those throw a very, very tight angle of view compared to a 35 millimeter lens. Uh, this one is throwing a giant, giant image circle, and all of these extra big old... Uh, aspherical elements are there to correct the image so even though it's it's throwing out a super super wide field of view uh, it's perfectly corrected uh, lines are straight nothing gets dreamy and this one will even work really well for color it's a modern uh, modern optic well a lot of people ask me why I'm bothering to shoot large format anyway when I don't make really large prints and that sort of stuff and a lot of it's because of glass just like that because the the way those these big lenses render things so mm-hmm. effortlessly that's one of the reasons why i just love large format in general because it just you, you know what i mean by effortlessly like when you take a 35 millimeter negative and try to make a 16 by 20 print it looks strained but when you take a large format negative and just blow it up to 16 by 20 it just it's nothing yeah, it's, it's not nothing. breaking a sweat yeah and and the fact that these lenses all have their own individual looks it's just and the nice thing about large format is as long as you have a lens board, you can put any lens on any I camera. <laughs> or, or even uh, my buddy Giles, uh, Giles Clement, uh, I'd mentioned him on a few previous podcasts. Uh, he decided he was sick of uh, shooting uh, 8x10. He wanted to go ultra large format, but he didn't want to wait to build a real camera. So in, uh, in uh, the year leading up to where he got the machining and tooling together to build his own camera, um, he, mil- he built one out of uh, you know garbage bags and some spare wood uh, and a lot of gaffer's tape and just started shooting 16 by 20 plates of celebrities like it was nothing. He's on Flickr, so you can look him up. Oh, definitely. Uh, and all those pictures with that camera are up there. It's it's, really it's nice. What's his insane. name on Flickr? Uh, Giles G. Clement. Clement. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. He's awesome. Uh, he actually did an awesome plate of uh, Nick Offerman last year. Okay, he sold yeah. a bunch of prints of it. It's, it's just sweet. He goes to a lot of music festivals to oh, shoot. Oh, okay. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, well, Joby, you got a whole ton of stuff. What else you want to talk well, about? Well, I wanted to talk about this rangefinder because it's... Is that ultra-large format? No. I'm jumping back. <laughs> I'm jumping back. I'm just kidding. Jumping back to 35 for a moment. Um I have in my hands a Zeiss Icon rangefinder. Now, when you hear the name Zeiss Icon, that really could mean anything because the company didn't name their com- their cameras very well. They, everything always started Zeiss Icon and then something else. And this one literally is just called the Zeiss Icon because it's the newest iteration of it. They were made between, I think, 2005 and 2012. It was meant to compete with the Leica M7, but be at a, a much lower price point. So this was... Uh, Cosina made this for them. It, if you look at every stat of the M7, this has one little inch better than, than the M7. The M7 goes to a thousandth of a second. This goes to two thousandths of a second. I thought you were going to say a thousand one. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, almost. The viewfinder is a little bit farther away from the lens, giving you a little bit better rangefinder focusing. Also, it keeps less of the lens out of your rangefinder when you're, when you're focusing. It has an auto exposure lock on the back, which is nice, so you can meter for a particular part of your picture, then recompose and shoot. Um, it will take any M mount lens, be it either Leica or Zeiss or any of the others. What it doesn't have that Leica has, it doesn't have a 135 uh, rangefinder patch. I think the rangefinder is brighter than the Leica M7, and it groups, it's less busy. When you look through it, you, it has less frame lines in each focal length so that you, it's a little bit easier to compose. It took me a while to get used to shooting this because as kind of a medium format and large format guy, holding a rangefinder 
and an SLR shooter for sure. Um, I didn't know how to use it. I got it because I knew, you know, I, I wanted to get a new film camera back in 2012 is when I bought this. And I wanted something, at the time, I think there had been like a Henri Cartier-Bresson exhibit or something. I was getting, there was all this like of this and like of that. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to buy a like of it. This is kind of like the, you know, the middle income owner's like a. And it's still a sturdy camera. It's, it feels very well built. It's not flimsy. I have Zeiss glass on it. The, right now I've got the um, the 28 Bygone. Ooh, pin that really, over here. In, yeah, in fact, the 28 was kind of what, I said I put it down for a while. The 28 is kind of what brought me back. The, the 28 occupies the entire patch of the rangefinder, and it's. Actually, I think I agree with you. I I like this uh, the range the the eyepiece. It's, it's, oh, it's really nice. If and you bright. wear glasses, it's really great because you can have your eye far away from it and still be able to see everything. The patch feels a little bit more dim, but everything else just feels nice and open on it. Um, is there film in it right now? There is, but okay. it's, but go ahead and shoot it if you want. All right, I, I just want to see how quiet or not it, it is. On. Oh, it's a little clunkier than. Um, is it okay? Uh, maybe the other switch? way. Push oh, it. Right. Just right. try and see. It's going to be one or the other. All right, there you go. Nope. Oh. Yeah, the other way. Okay. That's pretty quiet. That's yeah, not, not bad though. Bad. Yeah. Reaction. The one defect or the one flaw I would say in it that 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 I find the most bothersome is that. Inside the viewfinder, it will show you the shutter speed that you're shooting. It's an aperture priority, priority camera, so you you can either go full manual or do aperture priority. If you're doing aperture priority, then it will show the shutter speed uh, in red in the viewfinder. And if you're out in really bright sunlight, it's very hard to see the numbers. You can't see it. I knew it was going to be dark in here. <laughs> did you buy it from the FPP? I did. Okay, good. <laughs> yes, I did. Very nice. All right, so like a, this is, I guess this is more like an LF... Uh, question on this one and it has very little to do but when you shoot do you feel like you make different pictures when you're using uh, a camera that requires you to bring it up to your eye versus a camera that's on the sticks that you can kind of walk around and talk to your subject and stuff like that oh now for i i primarily use the large format for portraits and i would say absolutely yes because the the time it people nowadays are so used to having their picture shot on digital where they make this face and then they're done you know, mm -hmm. either with their phone or with digital. And when you force somebody to sit down in front of a large format camera and sit there while you set the aperture and cock the shutter and pull out the dark slide on things, that, that, that guard that they put up usually weakens and they, they, you get a more genuine photograph, uh, portrait out of them. They have a chance to relax. And something about being shot on large format is so different that they don't relate to it the same way. They don't, they're not as uptight about it not that you won't go and scan the image and put it on the internet but some people even feel like oh if, if this person shoots me out I, I won't have to worry about my image being on the internet but it's it's a completely different vibe it slows things down no i love shooting portraits that's one of my favorite things to do in large format because it's just uh, and you get to know the person i mean a lot of par parts of a portrait session is you need to know something about the person when you photograph them to get a good image of them and if you're so quick with the digital camera going click 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 done then you never get to actually meet the person and talk to them and make any kind of personal relationship with them. You're literally just seeing reflected light off yeah. of the person. Yeah. And not holding the camera up directly to your face. I mean, it's kind of nice to kind of peer around the side of the camera and go, okay, I'm going to take your picture now, as opposed to just always having your face be blocked by, by an SLR. So not just the subject matter changes, but the whole approach changes. Oh, yeah, yeah. totally. Cool. Yeah, I mean, with the wet plate especially, because you have to compose the shot, then you go make the plate, then you come back and take the picture. There's... There's a real personal relationship you make with the person, and it's really a it's a collaboration, as much as it is a photograph, because they have to sit still for a long period of time, and then they have to watch you do all the things you got to do just to prepare the the plate for shooting. That's really cool. Uh, as far as do you like the rangefinder focusing on that? I do. Um, or like the rangefinders in general versus the I do. I have anything? I have three rangefinders. I have the the one I just the the Zeiss that I just brought. I have, um, for medium format, I've got the GF670, the Fuji. Nice. And I bought it back a long time ago when it wasn't crazy expensive. Because when it was first introduced, the price was kind of low. And then all of a sudden, they decided they weren't going to make it anymore. Yeah, and the it price jumped up just like shot six, up. 700 bucks. Yes. And then once they discontinued it, it was like a $1,000 job. Yeah. yeah. I really wanted the wide version of that that didn't have the bellows. And I just never never pulled the trigger on it. I think I would have enjoyed that a little better. Because the bellows to me are and that are a little flimsy. Like I've already dented the bellows slightly on mine. Mm. But I've taken some of my best pictures with a camera. That, having a camera that can shoot 6x6 six six and then just with a switch change to 6x7 is such a cool feature. The third one I have here in front of me, which is this gigantic monster this is we've talked about it on 
uh, well, I guess I brought it to the PDN and shot yeah, with it. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, this is a Polaroid 900 that's been converted to shoot 4x5 film. So um, it was done by a man named Dean Jones who lived in Australia. He died, I think, of cancer just a few years ago. Mm -hmm. um, it's called a, probably my least favorite name for a camera. It's called the Razzle. 900 razzle yes but um this is one of the you know really top-notch conversions to four by five and this is probably my worst my most um world traveled camera because this is a polaroid camera that somehow made its way to australia <laughs> the lens is a um, 150 millimeter Cyrenar in uh, a uh, sweet sweet standard yeah five lens so yeah. it's a german lens that somehow made its way to japan where i bought it off japanese ebay it came to me then I sent it to Australia, and then the whole thing came back to me. Nice. So, so this 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 camera has been all over the place. It it has a couple weird things about it. One is that the the cable release is on the left side, so you're shooting with your left hand instead of your right. Messed uh, up your grip. Yeah. One of the nice things that Dean Jones did was that he, uh, rather than focusing with this really awkward knob, he added a knob to the outside to make focusing really, really yeah, sweet. it's like the old Polaroid 800s. Exactly. Yeah. The rangefinder patch is not very bright on it, so shooting indoors is a bit of a challenge. Um, it's it's heavy. I like putting graphmatic backs on, on it instead oh, of shooting. Oh, six-shooter, yeah. Yeah, so you get six shots. problem is my graphmatics are not the most reliable, so if I if something happens, I lose six shots as opposed to losing one. This in a graphmatic will make you have a good day. It's not the most fun camera to use, but it's some of my favorite results because just being able to do something like street photography with a resolution of a 4x5 is really just a lot of fun. So this is like a side note on this camera. Uh, you have your, your web plate cameras. Those are like, those are Chamonix, right? They are Chamonix. So Chamonix has a camera that's eerily similar to this camera. It's called the, the Sabre. Sabre. Yeah. And it's a very sought after camera now because very few people are still doing conversions on this type of camera. Have you been tempted to go with that camera? No, I've been very content with this. I, mean, I feel very um, honored to have one of these because... You know, he, he only made a handful of the, I don't remember how many he made, but he, it took probably six months between when I asked for it to, and to get it. So he had quite a backlog and, uh, Dean Jones was kind of a well outspoken person. His, he, he had all these features. I mean, you could, you could get all kinds of different colored skins and things on it. And I just kind of wanted something that was discreet if this could be ever be called discreet, um, <laughs> but he had different colored bellows and different colored things. Whoa. And I just thought. I thought, no, I just want something that's really plain that people aren't going to really walk up to me and bug me too much about because I really just want to take pictures. But now in hindsight, I think I would have rather had, you know, be have it be kind of colorful and just go over the top with it. Hey, Mike. Hello. Per permission to uh, let out an angry old man opinion about something. Please do. All right. You know what, Joby? <laughs> There's way too many 3D printed 4x5s right now. Oh. People are making these things out of flimsy plastic. Oh, yeah. And what I love about this Razzle that you've got is it looks like it could survive the A-bomb. You know, like, this is a just a solid tank of a, of a modified camera. And you this this lens could take, like, a Petzval lens mounted to it, this camera. It's it's solid. It's not going anywhere. Those small new ones with the, you know, the tropical bellows you can right. have on there that are not... With the elastic it. backs. Oh, don't get me back. started on rubber bands. <laughs> yeah, that, that's like stainless steel on the back of yours. What right. is that called? This, is, this is the Razzle. But was it a Polaroid? It was a Polaroid 900. Okay. There, 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 a 900 is a boat anchor, right? Like yeah, there's no use, yeah, there's no use for it otherwise. It. Yeah. And what's interesting about this back is it actually has, he, had, he offered a couple options as far as backs goes. This one, I think he calls the Razzle Lock back. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is it still available, the Razzle? No, no. Um, the man who made them died. Oh, I missed that. I was walking around. That's right. He okay. shot our portrait at PDN with this. Yeah. The yeah. Back. yeah. Um, can you buy them on eBay? They come up very infrequently because people who own them can tend to hang on to them. Is there a comparable, similar type thing or someone else doing this? There are people doing it. A Google search would probably... There, there's several. There, there was When I first got interested in it, there was someone who was doing really high-end ones, like Brad Pitt owns one. By the, uh, it's a Lippman. It was a Lippman 4.5. Right. A Lippman. Is it Lippman? I think it was T. I saw those, and I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, but his prices were just, you know, way out of my price range. And then all of a sudden, I somehow from that found, you know, Dean Jones in Australia. And, Do you have uh, different backs for that? or? Well, the, you know, the other way to, for the graph mat, I told him that I wanted to shoot, you know, with with just regular 4x5 film holders, or I wanted to use a graph mat. So what he did was he, <laughs> these screws that hold this back come off, and there's an extension 
that I can put on that will allow this back plate to back up so that I can use I still have the um, the Fuji instant film holders, so I still have okay. some 3000B, so I can shoot 3000B in this. Or I can put those graphmatics in, and, and they will hold that. It, it actually came with the ground glass, too. So if I want to put it on a tripod, put it on the ground glass, I can treat it like a normal large-format camera. Oh, and that's what that big silver socket is right down on the bottom. Yes, right? yeah, it does have a tripod socket on the bottom. Look at that. Nice and that solid. That baby folds up, too? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, it folds up just like a clamshell like any other. I mean, you love this camera, right? Oh, yeah. It's it's one of my favorites. So you love that camera so much, you, like you probably wouldn't miss this size icon, right? Oh well, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Mike already stole the camera. <laughs> <laughs> Backing up just a little bit, the Zeiss icon. What would this cost me? Now on eBay, the body alone is probably close to a thousand dollars. How about the lens? Ooh, I don't remember what I paid what for. What kind that. of mount lens? I try to forget. Mount, so it's like a. Yeah, okay. I try to forget so that I don't feel guilty about not telling my wife how much it costs. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't don't do the divide by ten trick. It, it only comes back to burn you. Yeah. And you know, how I've many got lenses do you own for this? I've design? got a 28, a 35, and a 50. Perfect. Perfect. You're set. This, yeah. this is like... It's, it's a great street it's like camera. A Cadillac. Yeah. Mm. I, like when I was... I mean, I was walking around. It, I was just... I mean, there's nobody here to even shoot, and I was finding stuff to shoot. Yeah. I shot some stuff. The Zeiss oh, yeah. is right. Go, go ahead. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Like, I've never... I don't know if I've ever seen a rangefinder that is so... Crystal clear. Yeah, as bright as I'll get out. And I, I, I've been kind of poo-pooing the idea of these soft touch. Um, yeah, this like just like the <laughs> 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 Yeah, for for a lot of digital cameras now, they make these um yeah these soft the release. Soft release. Um, and I kind of poo-pooed the idea. I thought that seemed kind of silly. And then I bought one and put it on there and went, I can't, oh, you, you can't this? go without it. <laughs> Not going back, are you? <laughs> How long have you had that Zeiss icon? Since 2012. So I, I bought it from B and H. You like yeah. sweet cameras. Yeah, it's a it's a. It's you a are bad. an HQ guy, and you spin vinyl. <laughs> hmm? Do you spin vinyl? <laughs> no, oh. um, but I did. You know, as a kid, as a musician, um, the only classical music I had to listen to was all on record. Okay. You know, and uh, um, as a violinist, I was a Suzuki violin student where Suzuki emphasized listening. And so when you bought your your book for learning, it came with a record. And my parents made the mistake of putting my record on a radiator. Oh. So you heard, gave me a very warped sense of music at the beginning because nothing was in tune. It just kept changing because of the... The thing didn't yeah. spin at a regular speed. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt your your razzle. Oh, sure. Back to the razzle. Uh, we're done with the razzle. Yeah, that's, we were that's kind, about we it. kind of wrapped that one up. That's I mean. about it. Another outfit that does that is called Instant Options. Oh, that's it, yeah. That was our friend uh, Steve. Uh, Instant Options is our Nate from Option 8. Mm-hmm. Don't call me that. Yeah, Nate from Option like 8. doesn't like that. I don't really like that. Nate from Option 8. Why not? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Nate from Option Eight, he has four by fives. Yeah, he'll sell you the complete camera, or you can send him like if you send him a one ten A, it costs more because he's got to change to a one ten B rangefinder. But if you send him a one ten B, he'll convert it for a little less. And yeah. your Razzle, like, yep. is it putting the is it? A full four by five image, or is it, it is. It, it covers oh, the it whole is. thing. Yeah, yeah. That's why it has that little extension piece on the back there. It kind of opens up that. What did that frame. cost you when you first got it? It might have been around a thousand. Okay. When I, I got, it, I think, compared to the the Litmans, were over five thousand. Yeah, you could have the, these cameras that are costing a thousand dollars. You could, ha- if you take care of them, you could have them your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. He buys. Yeah. Them. That's my my justification in my back of my mind is this is a lifetime purchase. Yeah. And. With the problem with you know that we're all facing with film cameras is that nobody's making new ones, you know, of this type of quality. Right. We're stuck with using stuff that's getting old, and nobody, you know, parts are going to go go, and things are going to go. So I wanted to have, in my mind, I wanted to have the best that I could get now, because it's everything seems to be going up in price anyway, and so that I could use it for the rest of my life. Uh, now, Matt, how come four by five rangefinders aren't more popular? Um, a lot of the time is because the, the rangefinder mechanism for yes. it uh, would be, uh, especially a coupled one that gives you a patch, is, is a lot larger. Probably the smallest ones that are out there are on Linhoff and Graflex cameras. And if mm. you imagine the patch on the Graflex, those are, you know, a couple, it's about an inch high by about two or three inches wide. It's a really big apparatus on there. And, and the, whole, the whole thing right now 
especially with you know my complaint on the 3D printed cameras. Uh, they're going. People just want as light as physically possible. It's kind of the same reason that. Uh, somebody wants a, a Nikon FM10 and not an F that's going to last generations. So it, it's the whole, uh, they're willing to reduce features to reduce weight right. um, on there. And a rangefinder actually introduces about as much bulk as it saves right. the, the glass and all that. So stuff. the Razzle 4x5 rangefinder is an, an oddity. It is. It is. It is. But why aren't they more popular? Uh, it's, probably, it's probably price barrier, but you know what? Uh, that The only thing you've got to worry about is... Yeah. He just didn't, you know. It was one. It was a one man, like he said. Is this a business or a guy? Right. This, this is a. This was a guy. So what's what's the quality difference between a Razzle and an Option Eight version? Uh, I think this is the this is the nicest you can probably still get. Like I would put this on the level of like a, a Peter Gowland kind oh. of uh, kind yeah. of mod or he, custom he just camera. just seemed to think everything through. Now, does everything. his family have a few in the drawer? That they want to sell, or oh, I don't know. And he did a number of other kind of experimental cameras, but he never built them on a large scale. But um, he would do he would do these nine hundreds, and he would do the one ten Bs. Oh, the one ten Bs with, with a wider, you know, a wider lens for that. I think he would like a ninety millimeter or something. He he appreciated putting on those. But um, this was just uh, I, this is the beauty of the internet. I mean, I, how would I have ever found this guy? In in yeah. in Australia, who was doing these conversions, and then be able to ship him these things and get them back. It's just now. Uh, any of your uh, images you shot with that post on Flickr? Or oh anything? yeah, there's still the pictures from the PDN where I shot you oh, guys. Okay. Those are all. I I didn't realize they were four by five. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I what thought I, it was like a it, shit rollback. Or no, it's because he had that Graphmatic, the six shooter, and he was just rocking and through them yeah. so fast. Yeah. And I oh. I took a I had a um, flash bracket. It was actually a Polaroid flash bracket okay. that I was trying to. You know, I just experimented with distance and, and power to kind of get an idea of, of an exposure, and then I just kind of shot freely at the at the PDN. Kind of spell something, Mike? Sp- spell? No, dis- dispel something. Oh, a, a di- lot of, dispel something. A please. lot of people think when uh, you, you talk about what camera you shoot and what you like to shoot, um, especially with, with large format, it's... Oh well, this guy only shoots this. He's got, I've got to stick up my ass about you know <laughs> shooting shooting anything small. Oh, four by five, nice micro camera. Like no, <laughs> a lot of the time, it comes down to uh, effort. You know, f time, effort. But the biggest factor for me anymore is free time. Right. I mean, I had all the time in the world when I you know first started rolling out to FPP. And you know, the older I get, the more commitments and responsibilities yeah, yeah, add yeah, up. Sure. And by the time, by the time, you know, you get to a certain point where the only free time you have, you're like, no, I'm going to go hardcore. Uh, like, and that that's usually what leads me to to picking up the larger camera. And it's the if I have this much free time, do I want to do this, which is going to require more work on the back end, or do I want to get the best I can, even if it's only a couple shots? And that's kind of my justification toward it. Really similar to what Joby was mm-hmm. uh, was talking about with the quality you just might as well go for the yeah the good one absolutely yeah the other reason i like dragging this around is that um one of the things i do with my wet plate work is i make tintype prints where i'm shooting on an interpositive and then using that interpositive to print onto a tintype in my darkroom if i shoot on four by five then you have that look of four by five it's just in film form and then when i print it onto the tintype it, it looks almost like i shot it on a tintype with the four by five so it's um if you shoot in smaller formats, then, like I said, you lose that beauty of those bigger lenses yep. rendering things effortlessly. Do you not, you know, shoot any 110 film these days? I've never, I've <laughs> never shot 110. <laughs> ever. Never, ever. Never, ever. I ha- like my, my dad had <laughs> my dad had what he called the spy camera. Okay. Which was one of those little Minolta... 16 millimeter yeah you know that it was what you guys reviewed it on a previous show sure sure um but it had all the parts you know the stick on flash and yeah. all these things it doesn't appear to work so i w- so it's a shelf queen at the moment mike he's a diana mini yeah <laughs> mike i got a package from you uh last late last month and it was it was from i i don't know if you remember what fpp listener was it was it was in like a little custom little tin yes it was and in it was was a letter for my favorite large format photographer, that's all the label was on there, and it was a Pentax Auto 110 complete kit with the power winder. Oh, and I was like, you know what? Oh, 
so much like, re- f this guy <laughs> so much so much respect for that that i bought the like the two bits of the loma 110 we still had at, at midwest and uh and shot some it had to out of respect i mean that, i yeah. felt an earthquake you got to respect yeah you got to respect for that yeah so you got to respect the burn you know like that's that was sweet. There's so much <laughs> effort was put into that. Of course, I was going to shoot the one-time uh, camera. I will not. Po- I will. Uh, I we'll process. I will not post them. You refuse. <laughs> there's, there's a level of respect. Okay. I refuse the, to post them. Yeah. The smallest format I've shot is half frame. My dad had a okay. an, had when you guys reviewed the Olympus e. uh, pins uh, F. V, oh, yeah, FT, and yeah. you speculated like who was this for is for the cheapskate yeah or, that was my dad okay <laughs> my dad we would go we go to like disney and he'd throw a roll of you know 36 in there and get 72 shots in fact he bought i still have rolls of hp5 and 72 exposures oh. so he would put that in the pin and oh. have 152 exposures per roll oh my goodness wow the whole the, vacation season. Yes. One roll of film. And one roll of film, yeah. I've probably said this before, but uh, alongside that that awesome gift I received from from our FPP listeners, um, it takes as much crazy to shoot something really, really small as it does to shoot something really, really big. It's the same uh, mentality of uh, putting adding in this, this uh, extra effort to, to make something work. Usually with the, the smaller stuff, it's like, I'm going to make this thing work. Right. And for the larger stuff, it's like, there's so many things that can go wrong, but I just got to see. I just got to see what yep, I can get. Yep. So uh, it really is the same uh, the same type of person. You usually have to have a uh, an insane level of patience to get through it or else you'll just you'll, you'll drop it and move on to something that's, that's you know, faster. And that's the other thing, just the limitations. So some mm-hmm. folks like working with limitations. Other folks like working with uh, convenience because they're going for the, the art of the image. The, they're only worried about uh, the content of the, um, right. of the photograph, the form, all that stuff. So all it's, right. it's all cool. It's all yeah, cool. Yeah, it's all cool. Joseph Brunches, thank you very much for oh, yeah. uh, thank you very much for coming having out to our FPP. Yeah. yeah. Coming out to our FPP event, doing the web plate, but also you know bringing all this other these all awesome imi- you know interesting cameras, and now you have me. Yep, you need a Zeiss icon. Jones Mansion. I'm Jonesing for the Zeiss for that. And you know what? You're absolutely right. It's like I haven't bought cameras in a long time. I could take all the junk that I have and sell it Turn to the one thing you're going to use. Prices. Yeah. Right. I could just sell off all my junk and get that. That's all I need. Right. If you want to really Jones over it, there, there. No, if you just Google this this camera, you will find multiple websites that have reviews of this camera that will make you drool even more. No kidding. I think the one I wa- read was uh, Mike Johnson's one from the online photographer. Oh. If you read his, his only complaint about this is that it's not that it's a film camera. Like the only the only with. <laughs> oh my god. The well, no, there are two actually. One oh, is right. one is that it's not a Leica. And number two is that it's a still a film camera in the day and age where... Can you still buy that NIB new in box or no? Um, from Japan, Japan probably. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, there's still some that are... But yeah. Japan Camera Hunter, you can get me one. We'll try, yeah, e- I would try eBay price, first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I would try... Double the price? <laughs> I would just try eBay first and see what you find. Okay. Um, but it's, it's really a beautiful camera. The yeah. lenses are... It breaks my heart we can't cover that Canon because some of these higher-end oh, yeah. ca- Canons really... You have use to, a review. You have to yes. hear the sound, though. It has that, that perfect Oh, my God, 80s, look at that lens. That perfect yeah. 80s. 85 80s millimeter. One, two. One. L. Two. Yes. Right, got film in that thing? Oh, yeah, yeah. This is the sound, though. Mm. Um, that sounds it. like the that's sound it. from the Canon commercial. That's right. It's got that squeak. All Canons have a squeak. It's their trademark. <laughs> so. Yeah, this lens, this camera's weather-sealed, so I, I use it for any time I'm... Um, shooting out on a boat or doing anything where, right. where I need some sort of protection, that's well, I, I'll get around. Thanks, Matt, for leading this conversation. No, this has been great. Thanks, Mark O'Brien, for sitting in. Hey, great Thanks, fun. Joby, for you know being an awesome guest and Thank for you. our very now reduced. We have a reducer back on our audience, our small audience. It's left. like it's like Survivor. Yeah, that's good because you usually edit every um and ah I say when I talk, so you make me sound a lot smarter when the actual um, episode comes out. As a matter of fact, um, you know what. You're such a you know an FPP fan. I, I've never done this before. I've never gone public with it because you know I don't want to piss people off. But you know when I'm editing the show, I'm going to be saving every um 
I'm going to put it in its own line. Supercut. <laughs> I'm going to put it in its own timeline and then have the smooth sailors put a track to it. Would that be okay? Ooh, that would be awesome. Okay. That would be awesome. Because I'm sitting here. That's why I was, before you guys talk, and believe me, I, I was really not that interested in those big lenses. That's fine. But I just had to smile on my face because I was just amazed because not every um is the same. Right. And every um had a different, I'm, I'm like, oh, man. Because there was um, and then there was um. I was like, whoa, there's such a range. It's musical. It's, it's my brain trying to engage my mouth before actually thinking through what I'm supposed to be saying. Yeah. You got some ums going on, too, oh, Mr. I'm Mark sure O'Brien. But see, the audience never knows. So, yeah. Putting him in a little notepad going. Well, that first oh, time, those, that first time I was on the show, I was kind of going, I was kind of demoralized on my drive home, going, "Oh gosh, that was really bad," and then you made me sound intelligent. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> it just cut out all. See, these I parts. made you sound as intelligent as you actually are. Oh, when not put on the spot with the microphone yeah. right in front of my face. Yeah. Well, thanks, folks. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. You know all the social media outlets. You can find us. You know the outlets: Walmart, Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> And we'll be back in one short week. See everybody. Oh, hey, Joseph, what's your favorite FPP outgoing song that I could play for you? Oh, gosh, that's a toughie. You know, I, one, of the, one of the things I want to hear again is That Dead Girl. Get out of town. <laughs> Jennifer. Yes, because there's a slow song, too, that, that also is about a dead, the dead, dead there's girl. There's two too. versions of That yeah. Dead Girl. Yeah. That Dead Girl, it's Kevin Neblung of Pink Delicates. And it was written for the Alternative Cinema Podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think maybe Kevin was on the... Was it on the FPP? Yeah, it was. Was it a Halloween episode? Mm, I can't remember. I, I, I marked down... You want the slow was. version or both? Both. Well, the fast one is so short, it's only like a 15-second song or something, right? Isn't it just a, like right. a bumper or something? Very good. Yeah, just but, for you. That cool. dead girl. That's awesome. <laughs> Dead girl. That dead girl. No, hang on. Jennifer's the girl you used to see around the place, but now she's gone. Yes, she's gone. To that great gig in the sky. The chance to say goodbye Oh Jennifer, why did you have to die? Every Monday morning she would cross the busy road to get her coffee She liked it strong Always waited for the light But one day she just didn't see that bike Oh Jennifer, it gave you such a fright Jennifer, I wonder if you're listening to the song Never had the chance to say I loved you all along I watched you every single morning You saw the bike, you didn't hear my warning Jennifer, Jennifer's a girl you used to see around the place But now she's gone, yeah she's gone To the great gig in the sky I'd love to see you when it's time to die I sold the bike, I must apologize Um, they were, um, um, and, um, um, so, um, 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 so, um, they were, um, um, and, um, um, so, um, 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 the, uh, um, uh, um, 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 um,
Um, um, and yeah, right. yeah. Um, um, I played a concert with um, 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 what else? Um, um, and um, um, so um, backlog and um, 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 um. The, right now, I've got the um, because um, 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 if you're doing aperture priority, then um, um, slows things down. Um, 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 it's we've talked about it on, and um, and it um, um, it's it's heavy. Um, this is a bit of a challenge, but um, we'll we'll make. Um, is there any? Uh... No, um, I've been. I, mean, I feel. Very um, because um, um, this one and um, the other way to um, so what he did was he um, the um, 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 and um, a um, um, um,
Too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? 